love the story of the rather legalistic seminary student who wanted to have a scriptural basis for everything he did, which sounds commendable. He, he felt that he was on solid ground if he could quote a Bible verse, book, chapter, and verse that, uh, that to okay his actions. And so uh, he did that. Uh, uh, he did all right with that until he started falling in love with a certain young woman. He wanted very much to kiss her, but he just couldn't find a scripture to say that that was okay. And so true to his conscience, he would simply walk her to the dormitory door each night. He would look at her longingly, and then he would say good night and leave. That went on for several weeks, and, and all the time he's scouring scripture, trying to find a verse, a quote, chapter, and verse that, 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 that he could uh, be able to, to kiss her good night, but he couldn't find one until he came across that, that, that passage that says, greet one another with a holy kiss. And he was like, yes, yes, I've got scriptural basis. But in order to make sure, he went to one of his, one of his professors uh, to make sure that that's what it meant, and uh, alas... The professor uh, told him that that was more like a handshake uh, back then, that that's just what everybody did in that culture, and, and that it was more of a church setting and a fellowship kind of thing rather than a romantic thing, and, and he, 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 so he simply didn't have scriptural basis for kissing his girlfriend goodnight. That evening, he, uh, he walked, uh, walked her to the dormitory after some time out, uh, uh, going to dinner, and, and once again, he started to tell her goodnight, but as he did, she grabbed him, pulled him toward her, and laid one on him. Let him go, out of breath, he said, Bible verse, Bible verse. She grabbed him again, and right before she laid another one on him, she said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love has a lot of expressions. We've just come through the month of love, right? Valentine's Day, obviously. Romantic love might be expressed with a kiss goodnight. Uh, uh, but, but love is actually a, a pretty wide-ranging topic. I, I mean, we, we say that we love a whole lot of things. But we don't exactly mean the same thing uh, when we say that uh, in, in every instance. I mean, I love a nice juicy burger with melted cheese and crisp lettuce, maybe some bacon on there that's, that's crunchy enough, but not too crunchy. Maybe some fresh tomato, mayo, uh, ketchup, mustard. I, I know we're a little later, so you're a little hungrier right now. I'm trying to, trying to make this excruciating for No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, a, a great, juicy, I mean, I love that, right? I also love my dog. I mean, he's furry and he's fun and he chases after stuff and he'll cuddle up to you on the couch and he'll go for walks. He barks a little too much, but, but Harley's pretty cool. I love my dog. I also love a nice warm spring day with a few fluffy clouds and the, the sun shining and the birds singing and there's that amazing fresh spring smell in the air. I think maybe by the middle of May we'll be there, okay? It might be... I mean, I love that. I also love popcorn. 
Uh, every Sunday night, almost without fail, we have popcorn. Well, I have popcorn for supper. That is the meal, okay? And uh, I, I pop it up in the big dome popper that we've had for years, and, and there's always a little leftover grease from the time before, you know, to just add a little extra flavor, and, and uh, you drizzle fresh melted butter over it and, and shake on the salt, and then we gather around on the couch and, and gather around America's Funniest Videos, and we laugh at people falling down, right? It's just awesome. Woo! I usually have a bag of M&Ms nearby so that every few bites I can get just a little bit of sweet with my salty. You know how that goes? I love that, right? I love that. I love my wife. I love pizza. I love good music. I love to laugh. I love that feeling of accomplishment after a long run. I I love my kids. I love soccer and basketball and watching football. I I love Jesus. I love ice cream. The list can go on and on and on. I I think you get the point. We call love a a whole lot of things and and it can go all over the place. Uh, And we don't love Jesus the same way that we love a burger. I hope. Right? And, and, and I don't love my dog to the same degree that I love my kids most of the time. So although it may uh, seem simple to preach about love, oh, it's doing this series, starting to talk about love. Okay, love, all right. It's pretty simple, straightforward. It's actually really complex because love has so many different meanings. Love is actually one of the major themes. That actually, you could argue that love is the theme of the Bible, cover to cover. Uh, God loves you. Uh, you love God. You love others. You and I have been created as relational beings. Love is kind of at the root of this whole thing, right? We're created to be in relationship with God and created to be in relationship with each other. Over and over and over and over and over again, the Bible uh, says that those relationships should be characterized by love. Just a, just a few examples this morning. John 15, 12 says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Matthew 5, 43 to 45, you've heard it said, uh, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you that you, you may be children of your father in heaven. Romans 13:8 Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Ephesians 4:2 Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Colossians 3:14 Over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. 1 Thessalonians 4:9 and 10 Now about your love for one another, we don't need to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. So you're already doing it. Do it more. First Peter 1.22, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. First Peter 4.8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 and 11 and 12. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love doesn't know God because God is love. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. 
First John 3, uh, 11, and then 16 through 18. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. And that's just a few of the abundance of verses throughout the Bible from cover to cover where scripture talks about love. And there's actually a, uh, a whole chapter in the New Testament dedicated to this topic of love. Even if you haven't been in church much, you've probably heard 1 Corinthians 13 like at a wedding or somewhere. Uh, most people refer to it as the love chapter. It's like a poem. Maybe it was even a song. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful piece of literature, but it's so much more than that. So uh, for the next weeks, through this Lenten season, from now until uh, Easter Sunday, we'll be talking about the nuances of what this love is to look like in our lives and in our relationships. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, let's read the whole thing today. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. I think most people think that, that all that sounds great, and it's maybe even a little romantic, right? And uh, so we, we, uh, we put it in our wedding, and um, uh, there have been multiple times when I've, uh, I've performed a, a ceremony, and this has been part of the, of the service, uh, whether the folks were really bought into uh, to following Jesus or not. Oh, that's a pretty thing. We'll just throw that in there. A lot of people, maybe you have it framed and put on your, maybe next to your wedding photo up uh, in your house somewhere. That's, that's great. I mean, we, we should do those things, but, but I'm not sure that, maybe I'm just speaking for myself. I'm not sure that we, that we think that it's really possible to live like this, to love like this. I, I mean, I love you and all, but all that stuff about patience or not holding a grudge or not remembering past wrong. I mean, it seems a little far-fetched, right? Uh, it, uh, can we really do that? I'd like us to discover over these weeks that it's, it's not far-fetched, but it's how you and I, it's how God wants us to love each other. It's how he loves us and how we should be loving the people in our lives. This is what real love looks like. Everything else is a counterfeit. 
So as, as we dive into this, this passage today, this chapter, I, I think we need to get the context of, of what's going on. This is a letter, for, the book of 1 Corinthians is a letter that the apostle Paul wrote. So Paul had planted a church in this city called Corinth. Uh, back in the day, almost 2,000 years ago. And uh, he traveled around, he's a missionary, and he planted churches, and, and uh, he had planted this church, and these were some wild and crazy folks that, that needed a lot of uh, counsel and, and discipline and, and uh, uh, growth in order to mature in their faith. And, and so he couldn't stay with them forever because he's still planting other churches, and, and, uh, and, and so then he wrote letters. And that's what a lot of our New Testament is, is these letters that Paul wrote to churches. He wrote a couple of letters to uh, First Corinthians, to the Corinthians, the people in Corinth, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Um, if you're looking for 2 Corinthians, it's right after 1 Corinthians. So um, th- th- there's even argument that, that he wrote some other, we don't have all of them in our Bible, but, but he wrote these letters. And, and so he's, he wrote this letter primarily to address the problems that were in this church. This church was having some, some difficulty in, in growing in their faith and, and following that. So, so it, it just a, a real quick you know, uh, walk through First Corinthians to get up to chapter 13 here. Uh, uh, he's been addressing these problems and these conflicts that, that these folks have been going through. He's already addressed division in the church. They were arguing over whose leadership to follow and, and who he was, who they should, who, sh- who they should uh, be following in, in, uh, in, in, in their faith. Uh, he, uh, he's, he's addressed uh, uh, the fact that they're still infants in their faith and they're not growing. He's uh, confronted sexual sin uh, and, uh, and, and other sins, a lot of different things, uh, even within the church. He's talked to them about proper forms of worship and the ways that some of the ways that they're doing it was, uh, was not beneficial and uh, not helpful. He, he, he talked to them about how to take communion properly and, and he said that, man, they're coming in and they're, all, they're coming in hungry and the focus is all on the food and not on Jesus and we need to get the focus on get your hearts right first and, and you shouldn't come hungry to, uh, to the table to experience communion. Uh, he, he talks to them about uh, problems in worshiping idols and some of them were still worshiping, yeah, okay, we'll do this thing that Paul talked about but we're also still gonna keep worshiping our idols. Uh, in chapter 12, the chapter just previous to the love chapter, Paul's been teaching them about uh, the importance of uh, the, uh, the, the gifts, spiritual gifts that God has, has given to, uh, to, to people who follow him. Uh, God has gifted everyone differently Paul says, but, but we all work together and he, he uses the, 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 the analogy of a body, that we are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head and we're the, the, the body of Christ and each one has a different part to play and nobody's more important than another. We're all important and, and we're all vital and we need to work together and, and uh, even the, they had the problem of some kind of lifting themselves. Well, I've got this gift and I'm a lot better than you are and, and he's trying to bring this unity into, uh, into their, uh, the, their, their life with, with Christ and with each other. So after emphasizing that in several different ways throughout chapter 12, Paul leads into chapter 13, the last line of chapter 12. He says this, uh, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. So yeah, all this stuff is important and, and all this is good and, and, uh, and, 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 and everyone's important in the body of Christ and we all have our, our parts to play and our gifts that we need to be living out and all of that is, is amazing and important and yet even even in spite of all of that, even, even because of all of that, now I'm gonna show you something even better, even greater. It's the most excellent way. And not for a minute does Paul diminish the gifts of the Spirit and their importance in our lives, but he says that love is so much more important than any spiritual gift we might possibly have. Uh, the first three verses of chapter 13 we, we just read, and it shows us that if love isn't present, even, even supernatural gifting won't do any good at all. 
just like a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. Love is the most excellent way to live, Paul says. And then, since, since love is such a wide-ranging topic, he, he uh, dives into that paragraph in the middle of, of chapter 13, defining what God's kind of love looks like. And let me just tell you that it's a little bit more involved than my love for popcorn and M&Ms. There's more to it than that. And at, at first read, it seems impossible. And at 10th read, you're convinced it's impossible. And, and yet, I think that's because we have some misconceptions about love itself and how it's supposed to work. We have so many, so many counterfeits in our world today of what we call love. Paul says, with the inspiration of, of God behind him, he says, this is what the most excellent way to live is. What, what are some of those misconceptions? I wanna cover some of those uh, today and then next week we'll start diving into some of these specifics of, of what love looks like. Uh, some, some common misconceptions. The first one is that love is only a feeling. Love is only a feeling. Usually we think of love as an emotion, right? Uh, it's a knot in your stomach. It's a certain kind of physical feeling that you have. And, and we're always searching for that feeling. And because we think that that's all love is, we talk about falling into love and falling out of love, which basically means that we're either feeling it or we're not, right? We're feeling that emotion or, yeah, I'm not really feeling it anymore. Uh, let's, let's kind of break this off. Uh, but, but love isn't just a feeling. I mean, several times Jesus commanded, we even read some, he commanded his disciples to love one another, to love their neighbor, to love their, I mean, it's a command. If, if it's a command, it can't just be this, this emotion, but it's something that we can choose to do, right? I, I, I can't command myself to have certain, you just need to feel good now. Uh, love has to be more than just a feeling. I think along with that, number two, uh, that we think that love is uncontrollable, that I'm just kind of, uh, I mean, we talk about love as though we're just submit to it these days, that, uh, well, I'm either feeling it or I'm not. And, and we let whether we feel it or not determine our actions as though it's something that we're helpless to change. But when the Bible talks about love, it's something we have power to choose, it's not just uncontrollable. We're not just at its mercy. Well, either I love you or I don't. Either, uh, either I step into this or, you know, it's, it's, it's just what I'm feeling. Uh, sorry, you know, you can't feeling, uh, you can't really control. We can control how we love. I think I've uh, used this before. I came across it this week and, and uh, uh, well, I like it. So here goes. Uh, I, the definition of a contrast between infatuation and love. Infatuation is when you think your husband is as handsome as Brad Pitt, as amusing as Jerry Seinfeld, as intellectual as Albert Einstein, as devout as Billy Graham, and as athletic as LeBron James. That's infatuation. Love is realizing that your husband is as handsome as Albert Einstein, as intellectual as LeBron James, as devout as Brad Pitt, as athletic as Jerry Seinfeld, and as amusing as Billy Graham but you love him anyway. Love isn't just this feeling and it's just uncontrollable and we just submit to it and we feel it or we don't. I mean, we can choose to love. And so when, when Paul says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, we go, ah, I can't do that. Well, uh, I'm just, that's not what love feels like to me. Well, then choose to do, we can build on these, we can develop, we can, we can, Exercise those muscles to build the muscle uh, that, uh, that, that helps us love well. 
Love is passive is number three, misconception that we have that love is just this passive thing that I feel and that's that. But love is not love until it is love in action. Our actions will always give us away. You can say that you love football, but if you never watch the games or track the scores, then I don't believe you. You can say you love your church, but if you're never there or you never give to support it, then I might be a little suspicious of whether you really love your church. You, you can say you love God, but if you never spend time with him, you're not pursuing growth in that relationship, I, I might have my doubts. If you look over that, that, that list in verses four through seven, you'll see that God's kind of love is a pursuing love, pursuing others, actively seeking the best in relationships. Uh, someone once said this, a bell is no bell unless you ring it. A song is no song unless you sing it, and love is no love unless you give it. We need to realize that love is not passive, it's active. We act on uh, the the, the love that we have, and we'll see that as we look specifically at these things, uh, this description of love. The fourth thing is that, that I think we have misconception is that I can love without God. I can love this way. Uh, what, what Paul says here in, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, I can love without God. I, I mean, certainly many people love each other uh, even if they're not followers of Jesus, right? I mean, we can experience and express some forms of love in our human power. It's just part of who we are. Uh, you know, first of all, I would say, well, God made us that way and so that love does come from him. But, but, but also this, this, uh, this level of love that Paul is describing isn't something that we just generate, that we can just do better at. Uh, but it's something that comes through the empowering of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not just this, uh, this, this mental exercise that we think about out there. Some, oh yes, God's kind of love. Is, but it's, it's really something that we can, through his empowerment, practically live out. I read the story this week about a, a seminary professor who, who taught the, uh, the Christian graces of love for over 40 years until he retired. In retirement, he took up several home improvement projects, one of which was to put in a new cement driveway. His driveway had been deteriorating over the years and didn't have the money or the time to address it. And so once he was retired, it was at the top of his list. And so he worked uh, uh, days and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks uh, to tear up what was left of the old driveway and to, to, to smooth out the ground and to, to lay the base and compact it down and do all sorts of things in order to get ready. And, and he set the forms and finally the day came to pour the new cement and he smoothed it out and he, he, he finished it with meticulous effort and, and many hours and, and it was, it was uh, heading toward late afternoon when he's finally satisfied with his work and ready for it to just harden up a little bit and so he, he went inside to put his feet up for a little while, got a glass of iced tea and dozed off for a little bit. He came out just before dusk to check on his work and when he did, he discovered some of the neighborhood kids had found the wet cement and they were putting their feet in it and writing their initials and, and uh, well, the professor, as he saw his work being ruined, well, he kind of snapped and he began yelling and he was berating the children and he actually was chasing some of them down as they ran away screaming and, and his wife heard the commotion and she came outside and, and, and she saw her angry husband going after the neighbor kids and, and she, she got him and she pulled him back home and, and as she walked back to the house, she reprimanded him and she said, what a shame, what a shame. For 40 years, you have taught love, forgiveness and forbearance. Now look at you, you've lost your testimony 
And the professor responded, honey, all of that was in the abstract. This is in the concrete. (laughs) Yeah, uh uh-huh, yeah, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. I can't take credit, but I sure enjoyed it when I read it. That was, oh, yeah. I think we treat this kind of love as this abstract. Oh, we're going to read it, and it's a pretty flowery kind of, yeah, patient and kind, and I'll be okay, whatever, yeah. But when, when it comes down to, you know, brass tacks where the rubber meets the road, where the cement meets the driveway, whatever it is, when we come down to that, uh, yeah, I'm going to love the way I'm going to love, right? You can't do this. You cannot live this out on your own by yourself in the concrete without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do it in you and through you. I mean, even, even with a quick read, I mean, it just seems daunting. I want us to look at it again. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. As I'm reading through this, think about uh, a relationship or some relationships in your life and, and um, whether these things are characteristics of those relationships or maybe there's some things or people or relationships that come to mind where uh, as we read this, you'll go, ooh, yeah, that's not, being lived love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud it does not dishonor others it is not self-seeking it is not easily angered it keeps no record of wrongs love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth it always protects always trusts always hopes always perseveres, love never fails. I'm just going to say right at the outset of this series, you can't do that. I can't do that. But God can begin to do that through us. No matter what relationship we have, and and Paul doesn't say this is only to be in your marriage relationship or this is only with your family, your kids, or the church folk. He says love, the, the way we need to love. And again, we read all those verses, uh, all the different places where we need to love. And and this is what it needs to look like. (laughs) Real, true, abiding love is supernatural and it's only possible when the Holy Spirit is living and active in our lives, developing his kind of love in us. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, I'm not going to call it homework, Uh, But uh, throughout these weeks, one thing that I think would be an awesome thing for us to do is to continue to read this chapter over and over and over again. Whatever you're doing devotionally, and I hope you're, you're going to add this to your, uh, your regimen or, or switch over to this, and that's great, but uh, you know, it'll add another 90 seconds to your time uh, in, the, in the word of a morning or an evening or whenever you do that. Read through the, this, uh, this chapter over and over and over again. Prayerfully, God, is this being, uh, being developed in my life? God, where are, what are the relationships where these certain things need to be? And then help me to do that. I think, I literally, I mean, we, we preachers tend to talk in hyperbole a lot. But, but, but if we can live this out, if the Holy Spirit lives this out through you and your relationships, it's, it will transform you. 
It will transform your relationships. It will draw people to you. It will draw people to God. I think that's what we're trying to do, right? We live to love people to life. Well, this is the love people. What does that look like? Oh, <laughs> it's, it's a whole lot more fun than you think, and it's a whole lot harder than you might think. We live to love people to an abundant life with God. What does that love look like? It's patient and kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it isn't proud, it isn't rude, it isn't self-seeking, it, it, it keeps no record of wrongs, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It never, never fails. Ugh. It seems heavy as we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. It will be, begin to happen naturally in us and through us. Will you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you will enable us to be people that love well in whatever relationship. Lord, I pray that you will strengthen our relationships throughout these weeks, that as we, as we focus on you, as we, as we uh, uh, seek after you and seek after your kind of love in our lives, I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would truly transform us. I pray that you'll help us to take the steps necessary to right past wrongs or to restore relationships that may be broken or strained. Lord, I pray that you will, you will do your work in our hearts so that we can represent you well in the world where we live. Father God, we love you. I pray that you'll help us to love you well, too. And I pray that as we go from here and, and as we interact with, uh, with people throughout this week, that it will be obvious that we are followers of Jesus and that we can uh, live our lives in order to live the, love the people around us and draw them to an awesome life with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.